Welcome to episode 82 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Brooke and Michi. They used the donation button on our website. Thank you, Brooke and Michi, for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. What do we mean when we say pain is inevitable and suffering is optional? What's the difference? How can we avoid suffering? Well, let's talk about it today. Before we begin, we would like to state that though we at The Recovery Show may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experiences as they relate to the topic of suffering is optional. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer, and I will be your host today. Joining me is co-host Maria. How are you today, Maria? I'm doing pretty well. How are you, Spencer? I'm okay. The first segment of today's episode of The Recovery Show will be our discussion of the topic, Suffering is Optional. Following a musical break, we will talk about our lives in recovery, about what's happening in the meetings we attend and in our lives. We will follow that with your email or voice contributions and some brief news about the podcast before we close. And we have a reading today from Courage to Change. This is uh, March 23rd. Okay, so our reading says, Alcoholism has contributed to many dashed hopes, broken dreams, and considerable pain in my life. I do not wish to dwell on these feelings, but neither do I wish to turn my back on them. Al-Anon is helping me to face even the most unpleasant aspects of my past. By taking hold of the hands of those in the fellowship, I am able to feel the pain and mourn the losses and to move on. These feelings are a deep part of me. When they come knocking at the door of my awareness, I wish to open it and let them in. I need to treat myself with the same care and respect that I would an Al-Anon member sharing pain, confusion, and turmoil at a meeting. Only in this way can I become whole and at peace. Okay. And, uh, so... There is this um, this uh, distinction that that is made there between between pain and suffering, and um, I'm wondering um, what what distinction do you see between those two words, and, and how do you understand them? Okay, um, at, at least in this context. Yeah, and I feel like this has a, a very specific context, um, but but the way that I understand it to be meant here is that pain refers to just anything problematic that that hurts that is uncomfortable that is unpleasant difficult all of that and so so i kind of understand the meaning it to be like that's okay so that's pain but then suffering is taking that pain and kind of um like taking that pain and running with it like <laughs> you know what i mean like taking the pain and just Oh, you know, obsessing about, oh my gosh, I'm in so much pain. Let me find everyone I know and tell them how horrible it is. And I'll think about it and like, you know, rehearse in my mind over and over all the, all the ways in which it's awful. And, you know, so, so I guess in my mind, the suffering part refers to like making things worse than they really need to be Mm -hmm. and sort Mm -hmm. of, yeah, adding, adding to the problem. Yeah. And I think one, one way that it may be useful for me to think about it is that pain is something that comes from outside, mm-hmm. and I don't really have control over that. Uh-huh. I mean, um, if I if I you know stub my toe, well maybe I had some control over that, but uh, you know it's the fact of my toe hitting something solid and it hurts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then suffering is comes from inside. 
Oh. And it's like you say, you know, take that pain and run with it. Yeah. Oh, my poor toe. Oh, it's so horrible. It hurts, it hurts, it hurts, it hurts. Yeah. And and to some extent, sort of focusing on the pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, and I know that if I'm in the middle of doing something that's really taking a lot of my attention mm-hmm. and I hurt myself, that the pain is much less obvious to me, I think. You know, if you're like playing a playing a sports game or something, right? Mm-hmm. And you fall down and, and hurt yourself, you get back up and you know you keep going because you need to be in the game. Yeah. But if you did the same thing when you're just kind of hanging out and didn't have anything that you had to, something else that you could focus on, then it would be very easy for me to take take that and really be. Oh yeah, wow, this really hurts. Um, I, I'm going to have to go lie down or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. It's sort of sort of what I got there. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I heard this guy say in an open talk that, uh, um, it's sort of the difference between feelings and emotions, because, um, sometimes we say, you know, you can't, you can't really control your feelings, right? Feelings happen and they just are, and they're neither wrong nor right. They're, they, they just are. Okay. Uh, and this guy said, and emotions are feelings with a story attached. Hmm. That we have a feeling, I'm sad. Okay. And I'm sad because da 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 and it will never get better, and things will never right. be the same again, or whatever right. it is, you know? Right. And And that's the emotion. And that's, I mean, it's a very sort of fine-grained distinction, but I see the same thing here sort of between the pain and the suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it comes to emotional pain, mm-hmm. uh, that's not, it's not like physical pain, it's a lot easier to get the actual pain confused with the story for me that, you know, I'm sad because something happened and then I can go on and, you know, tell myself this story about how life's never going to be the same again. And, um, you know, that stupid song from the seventies and I'll never have that recipe again, <laughs> which I'm sorry. I mentioned it cause now it's going to be like this ear earworm in my head. Is, all that, day. On the, is that on the playlist? No, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would be a good one though. No. Okay. <laughs> um, and, uh, I don't know. I, I, I made a little list here of, of forms of uh, ways in which we, uh, maybe in Al-Anon or maybe in general that, that, that we can s- turn pain into suffering and, um, I wonder if you want to maybe pick up one of those or, or pick one of your own and, uh, and, you know, talk about your own experience a little bit. Okay. Um, well, yeah, so there's, we've sort of got a list here of that, that sort of self-imposed suffering can take a lot of form. So like worry is one. Um, and yeah, so, so like the pain can be, I have this problem. And then the suffering can be, oh my God, I have this problem. What am I going to do about it? How are we ever going to solve it? I don't know how, like, this is also overwhelming. And like, what are we going to do? And we got to look up all the answers and, and, you know, talk to everybody. And like, what are we, you know, so that's, and, and just sort of ruminating of like, oh my gosh, it's not going to work out. It'll never work out. <laughs> and <laughs> so that, yeah. that kind of thing, um, that's, that's yeah. one form it can take. Yeah. For me, I mean, it, it really, you know, good example for me out of my life is, is money. Mm. Okay. So our bank account always gets pretty low at the end of the month. And mm-hmm. there's always this fear that someday we're, we're not going to have enough money to cover it. And so a check's going to bounce or, 
Uh, we're going to have to default on a bill or something like that. It hasn't happened yet, but hey, it might. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, so we do what we can. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we try to make sure that we know what bills are coming. We know how much money we've got if we need to move some money out of savings or God forbid, borrow some, uh, to cover the, the, the end of the month, which indicates a certain lack of planning generally. Um, but you know, we're doing the best we can, I guess. We're doing a lot better than we used to. Mm-hmm. I'll just say that. But Progress, having, not perfection, right? having done what we can do, sometimes I still, I'm lying awake in the middle of the night with this worry that it's not going to be enough, that yeah. it's not going to work out, that something unexpected is going to come along and we're not going to be able to deal with it. Yeah. And at midnight or three in the morning, lying in my bed, this is not something I can do anything about right now. Right, right. So the pain is, okay, money's tight. The suffering is worry about things that haven't happened, probably won't happen mm-hmm. at a time when I really can't do anything about it anyway. That's that's a clear example to me of how I still can get into this suffering, yeah. suffering mode from worry. Yeah, and sometimes the worry... Um, uh, and this is reminding me of another phrase that worry is not preparation. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, that I think that's how I can sort of trick myself into getting lost in the cycle of worry. Like I think that I'm preparing for this. Like if I just, you know, think about it enough, the right answers will come to me and then it'll all work out. So like I've got to like ruminate on it and, and, um, but yeah, it's, it's really not. Preparation is preparation and worry is just worry. Worry and, is just worry. Yeah. Preparation's fine. Preparation's yeah. a good thing. But once it crosses that line into worry, then you're, yeah, I, I find yeah. I'm in trouble. And, and, and the middle of the night thing, uh, also, uh, you know, sort of leans over into obsession. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I just, I'm, I, I keep going on the same thing, whether it's a worry or, uh, a pain that maybe it just is something that happened that I didn't like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but I just, I keep thinking about it. I keep, you know, I keep poking my tongue into the sore tooth all the time. <laughs> okay. To put it in physical terms, but you know, talking generally emotional, uh, you know, I keep picking at the scab mm-hmm. uh, and, and I can just be sort of, because things didn't work out the way I wanted them to work out and I want them to be different. And, mm-hmm. and so I can just go into this cycle of, uh, well, what, maybe I could have done something differently or, uh, and, Again, unproductive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just occupying my mind. Uh, I had a lot of the the worry, obsession, despair, uh, mm-hmm. kind of all combined in one. Um, you know, during the period when my loved one was still drinking and I was not in a program, and I just felt like I ought to be able to fix it, and I had no idea how to fix it, and this would keep me awake for hours and hours and hours. Sometimes just trying to. Just going over and over and over and over what was and how awful it was and, and how scared I was and, and but with nothing productive happening. Yeah. Except keeping me awake. That's not productive. Okay. No. No. Um, yeah. And with the obsession, um, yeah, I, I find that that, like, I can get hung up on one thing and then it's all I can think about and I can't. I can't think about anything else. I can't enjoy other things that are around me or anything else that's happening. And it just, it blocks out everything. And the one problem becomes all consuming. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, 
that's definitely uh, the self-imposed suffering. Yeah, there. one of the other readings that that I um, found, uh, which they're all under the uh, index heading of pain in Curse to Change, if you want to go look them up, uh, talked about how when things just keep going on that we block them out and we kind of block out everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was trying to think of a word for that. And I wrote down dullness is what I, what I meant was this sort of just dulling of all feelings. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to feel going numb, going numb. Numb yeah. is good. Yeah, yeah. Numb is better. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I, did you get to a point where you were experiencing that? Um, may, maybe somewhat. I mean, I think some of the, the others kind are of anger. Uh... <laughs> um, you know, I think I think I probably had more anger and uh, <laughs> worry and obsession. I think more than more so than dullness. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I have an occasion had. I mean, some yeah. Sometimes it does get to this point of like, oh, everything's terrible anyway. What's the point? Why bother? And yeah. I think that's kind of maybe that yeah. dullness that you're talking about. Yeah, numbness, depression. Yeah, depression. Almost. Yeah. Um, I know depression has a very specific like meaning, psychological meaning, but um, that. That feeling of it's hopeless, hopelessness. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, another another way that that I can suffer is self pity, mm-hmm. right? And I think yeah. you kind of <laughs> went into that <laughs> oh, right yeah. at the beginning. The hope for me. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I and maybe I didn't even realize I was doing that, but I mean, I think that's probably my biggest one. Maybe my, one of my biggest ways of uh, going into suffering. So um, yeah, I mean, I, like. I, I mean, a lot of these things kind of apply, but I guess, uh, so one of the, the things that's been going on in my life in the past year, this past, uh, year has been, um, so my husband and I have been wanting to con- conceive, wanting to have a family, and, um, it hasn't really been working out. And there's been a lot of, uh, medical stuff going through, like, all kinds of treatments and, like, just, yeah, a lot of like just really intense, just very intense stuff. So there's mm-hmm. been a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, well, so, both physical so there's, and emotional. Or oh yeah, emotional? oh yeah, physical, emotional, financial. Um, you know, <laughs> well, like yeah. basically, like yeah. name a category, and it it, it yeah. affects us. So like, I mean, this is kind of where I'm going to. When I'm thinking like, hmm, worry, obsession, despair, self pity. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's all <laughs> big, hugely tied into this story for me. Um, um, but I think self-pity is one of the biggest ones because it just seems like, oh, it's poor me, poor us. Like, it's, you know, I mean, granted, there is a lot of pain, like, just, you know, um, pain that isn't suffering yeah. that goes with it. Like, you know, aside from physical, but, you know, physical, emotional, etc. There is some real pain. However, there's also this very much a component of added suffering on top of that, like, it's not just like, oh, this is difficult. It's not working out. How frustrating. And we you know, have to spend all this money on these crazy treatments that involve many, many shots, which are painful and et cetera. So, but there's also this, um, sense of like, oh, why is it us? It seems to work out so easily for everybody else. And mm-hmm. like, it's, it's so hard and it's so not right that like we have to suffer this way and like, why can't it just work? And, you know, like just, just on and on. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, there's this sort of this sense of like, oh my gosh, this is like, I mean, it, it has been 
you know, objectively difficult. Yeah. But in addition to that, there's this sense of like, you know, I have to share with everybody just how difficult this is because I can't, you know, my own self-pity isn't enough. I need other people's pity too. <laughs> and I want them to say, oh, you poor thing. You must be so suffering and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, you know, I don't have to go there. Like that's, yeah. that's the suffering optional part. Yeah. You know, I could just stick with the pain and say, okay, this is painful in, in X, Y, and Z ways. And I'm going to stop there. You know, without without layering on all of the self pity. Um, do you, do you also find yourself uh, isolating? Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's that's also part of it. I mean, I think with this particular issue, it can be sometimes awkward to talk about. Um, it's there's a lot of uh, you know silence around the whole subject. Right. It's sort of inherently a little awkward and. Uh, yeah. yeah. Can we so, think of a of another topic that has a lot of silence what and shame? What other topics? It? This is all I can think about, Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> Obsession. Didn't I cover that? Um, like maybe alcoholism. No. Well, yeah. I, oh, well, yeah. Okay. So there's that. <laughs> oh yeah, that one. <laughs> oh yeah, that one. That one. That's sort of the focus of the podcast, right? Right. Uh, um, but yeah, I mean that definitely like isolation and self pity there too. I mean, I think that's that's where I go mm -hmm. to. Just inherently, it doesn't really matter so much what the problem is. Yeah. It's just kind of a, a form of suffering. But yeah, like isolation definitely. Um with the with the alcoholism um in our house, um there was a lot of shame involved at like not wanting other people to see just how bad it was yeah. or just what was going on because they wouldn't understand and they'd pass all kinds of judgments and so it was easier to just wall off and never have anyone over, like ever. Right. And never tell anyone about it. Like, I'd have these friendships with close, you know, uh, close friends that we'd be close in, like, all other ways. But I just, you know, I wouldn't talk about that because yeah. I just couldn't, I just didn't want to yeah. go there. And so, you know, in the problem itself, I was very isolated. And that's, yeah. And that and that increases suffering. Yeah. And that increases suffering because, yeah, um, definitely. So, I'm wondering... Um, we have a, a bunch of tools in Al-Anon that we use mm -hmm. as part of our recovery. And I'm wondering if you turned to any of those tools in in maybe your most recent um, experience or uh, once you came into the program and you were still dealing with the active alcoholism. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think just coming into the program, like that in itself really helped with the isolation as far yeah. as alcoholism, because it was like, oh, my gosh, there's all these other people and they get it and they've been there and they're not yeah. going to judge me because they're in that same boat with me. Yeah. Um. So that was that was huge to just have other people that I could, you know, to have a space that was safe enough to talk freely about what was really going on. Um. Yeah. So definitely just having the program and having those those other people. Um, really helped. Um, I think also, like, I, this whole concept is something I got from Al-Anon, like, before the program, I never really, I, I mean, maybe I heard the phrase that pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional, but I never really thought about it. Maybe I never even heard it, I don't know. Um, but, but just thinking about the distinction really helped me realize, like, oh, not all of this really has to happen. Like, um, Yes, there are going to be problems and there it's going to be painful, but it doesn't have to be all-consuming. It doesn't have to keep you up at night. It doesn't have to be, you know, the worst thing ever. And, um, yeah, um, 
So just realizing that that there is a choice there. Yeah. Choice. I, think was I didn't huge. write down choice, but yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. We can make a choice to to not suffer. Yeah. Um, and and that is something that I mean that's definitely something that that I found um, that changed for me from when I entered the program and. You know, my loved one was drinking and it seemed like maybe she was going to get sober and maybe she was never going to get sober. And, and I, I didn't like that. Mm-hmm. And, at, and I didn't like that. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Understatement of the year. Right. <laughs> um, at the beginning, right, before I came to Al-Anon, you know, the obsession, the, the worry, the despair, the isolation, probably some self-pity, um, I'm sure. Uh, those were all there. And two years later, um, you know, the situation was actually probably worse in terms of circumstances. Mm-hmm. Maybe three years later. Anyway, some a couple, couple or three years later, the, it, things had gotten worse um, in terms of her drinking and the effects that it was having on um, our family, on, you know, her life, my life. Uh, those were worse. But my attitude was very different. Mm-hmm. Uh, for one thing, I wasn't isolating anymore. I still wasn't necessarily talking about the problem with, you know, everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, people at work didn't need to know about their business. Right. Uh, but I, I had a place where I could talk about what I was feeling and what was happening. And, and I also had some of these tools, uh, which one of the very first ones I picked up was let go to, uh, recognize the difference between recognize some of the things that I really couldn't didn't seem to be able to change that no matter how much I had tried, no matter how much I had obsessed, um, I wasn't changing it, Mm -hmm. which I wasn't getting her to stop drinking. (laughs) Uh, and so when I let go of that need to control, which is really what I could let go of, you know, they say, let go of, let go of, uh, you know, the person let go of their disease and what I'm really letting go of is is my desire or my need to control what's happening to because uh you know starting to realize that I really don't have that power and so um not not doing it and when when I was able to do that um and when I was able to start um you know some of the other some of the other things like having an attitude of gratitude um prayer uh one day at a time I don't have to, I don't have to live with this forever, but I, I can live with it for today. Um, as the situation deteriorated, I was able to be sad. Um, I was able to be, I think, angry at the disease, mm-hmm. not, not at her. I was able to have compassion for her, actually. Um, there was fear, but I also was not worrying. In the, in the, in the sense of, you know, really taking that dirty rag and chewing on it like a dog, you know, um, you know, just going to chew on that bone because someday I'll be able to eat it or whatever, you know, I don't know. Isn't that why you chew on a bone, Jake? Yeah. He's not answering. He's not. He's asleep. Okay. (laughs) You know, and, and, and I could be there. I could be present. I didn't have to separate myself from what was happening. I didn't have to put up a wall between us. And I didn't have to be obsessive about it. And I didn't have to be in despair all the time. And I didn't have to be worrying all the time. And I could sleep at night. 
Mm-hmm. You know, for me, that was like the huge difference. I could sleep at night. Yeah. I could, I could have some fun. Mm-hmm. I could enjoy life. Yeah. And that had been all gone. Yeah. Yeah. I think same for me. Um, I was at a meeting recently where somebody was talking about the ability to sort of hold two emotions at the same time. Mm. And that was, it was interesting. Like the way she put it was, um, the before the program when she was upset or sad, that was just took over the entire day and everything was all about that. Mm-hmm. And now she can, she can be upset about one thing or sad about something, but there's also room in her mind to, you know, go for a walk outside and look at the trees and look at, you know, look and be in nature and enjoy being outside and going for yeah. a walk, even though she's still sad or upset about this other thing. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, that's kind of huge too, because, um, I guess that goes back to the obsession, which I can relate to. Um, <laughs> so, I noticed you pulled out your book. Do you, I did. Do you have something I did. Well, I pulled you? out your book that's sitting here, but, um, <laughs> but yeah. Th- so anyway, this kind of made me think like, really, I kind of feel like this is sort of the crux of the whole program in a way. Um, this whole concept that pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. Um, because, um, uh, it just reminded me of a part of the, uh, reading on step one in the blue, uh, how Al-Anon works uh-huh. book. And I'm yeah. just going to read a little bit here. Um, so it says, Al-Anon does not promise that every alcoholic will get sober or that sobriety will solve, solve our problems or fix our relationships. We may never have the family of our dreams or win the love of those who have no love to give, but the program does offer us hope because it is all about change. By being honest and admitting the power we tried to wield over alcoholism was never readily available to us, we let go of the illusion that kept us imprisoned in an endless cycle of repetitious, self-defeating behavior and inevitable disappointment. Um, and so yes, that, I, I love that little section, actually. Yeah, yeah, but it just made, it just seems like, really, you could kind of sum up that paragraph with pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. Like, yes, yeah. al- alcoholics are going to be alcoholics, and it's going to be painful to be around um, and it's painful when it's someone you love who's acting in ways that are just difficult to be around. Um, I would have used a stronger but, word. Uh, but yeah, okay. <laughs> trying to be diplomatic here. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> but but I feel like in Al-Anon we learn that a lot of our um, that a lot of the problem is not really pain, but it's actually suffering, and yes. that suffering is optional, and we can learn how to not suffer um yeah and that i think that echoes my experience yeah it it, over the course of a few years i went from this miserable existence to one where not everything was all right Mm -hmm. but i was able to put that thing in its true proportion Mm -hmm. in 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 a different perspective and to have it not be filling my life and and then i was able to you know live the rest of my life yeah and uh again a story um where i think i'd been in the program about a year um and i was i was at a, i was at the meeting before a meeting okay talking to a friend and just complaining about you know oh my wife's still drinking blah 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 whatever everything's miserable horrible terrible you know, let's wallow a little bit here. Yes. And a friend looked at me and said, did anything good happen today? Mm-hmm. I said, well, 
Yeah, actually, it was like this beautiful sunny day. The snow was all sparkly, and and I got a massage, and maybe a couple other things. And just that reminder to sort of stop and be in the moment to put the bad things in the perspective, to be grateful for the good things. Mm-hmm. That very simple phrase, did anything good happen today? And then following through and thinking about, well, what, yes, these good things happened today, put me in a totally different mood. Yeah. I was in a good mood for the rest of the evening. Huh. Uh, it was that simple. Yeah. And, and those are some of the, you know, some of the f- slogans that we've got, those slogans that I love to hate or hate to love or something. Yeah. Uh, Cause they're, they're so, they're so simple. They're so trite. They're so true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, yeah. and and they, we had just for today or one day at a time there. Um, you know, yeah. how important is it? How important is it that you know this this thing happened? Yeah. Uh, how big is it in the grand scheme of thing? Um, hope you talked to or the the reading talked about hope, mm-hmm. and that was something that I found. And you know, we did a whole show on hope a while ago, but and you can go back and look for it and i don't remember what number it is but just go to the go to the website therecoveryshow.com uh find the search box in the upper right corner and type the word hope in and i'm sure it will pop up but uh that hope for me was in in that situation that admitting the possibility of change mm-hmm. the situation was not what i wanted um i had no expectation of change but I still had the possibility of change. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the sense of hope for my loved one's recovery from, from her addiction, uh, there also was, I was living really the hope for me that I got better. Yeah. You know, that, that there definitely was this strong hope of my life can continue whatever happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so that was another gift Mm-hmm. And that that really helped me um, move from suffering to yes, there's pain, it's there, and ouch, it hurts. <laughs> mm-hmm. Maybe I need to take a little break, but I don't have to have it consume me anymore. Yeah, and and I think that's also important that um, because sometimes we can go the other end of things. Like instead of having it be all consuming and obsessive, we can just deny it. Right, and so. And that's also unhealthy. Like, I think being able to look at it and say, yes, this is painful. Yes, it hurts. And I'm not going to deny that it hurts. Um, that, yeah. I think that's... I'm fine. Thank you very much. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, so for me, like, I think uh, the phrase one day at a time and kind of what I've heard people say about that phrase and just trying to put that into action has really helped me at times. Um, like I know when, when my, um, when my loved one got sober, there was a, I had a lot of, um, I mean, it was exciting, but it was also very fearful because I wasn't sure if it was going to last. And if it did last, then all these other things would come into play. And like, how, how are we going to deal with all this stuff for like the rest of our lives? And, you know, it got really overwhelming. And I would just really try to remember like, okay, one day at a time. And and sometimes that's too much. Like, so you got to do, you know, one hour at a time or five minutes at a time or or just yeah. one thing at a time. And so I would be in the midst of like, 
in my head kind of going through like, oh my gosh, what if, what do we have to do this? And then I'm going to have to abide by this rule and that rule. And like, how are we going to, I don't even know, like, this is all too much. It's too overwhelming. It's, you know, and then I would kind of, you know, another part of my mind that had sort of was able to remember some of the stuff I learned in the program kind of kicked in and was like, okay, just, just stop. Like, okay, what are you doing right now in this very second? Like, okay, I'm brushing my teeth. Like, just brush your teeth. You know, like I don't have to, right. I don't have to worry about the entire yeah. rest of my life yeah. right now. All I have to do right now is brush my teeth and I can handle that. Right. Yeah. Right. Yes. So, you know, just kind of breaking it down to like, it's really not that overwhelming. Just do the next right thing, the next thing that's in front of you and it will, and you can handle that. So, you know, yeah. each of those things I can handle. And so overall, I can handle it. It's it's just when I start thinking of things in too grand a scheme that it becomes unmanageable. Right, and that's and, and that's really um, that was another critical one for me. I think was to to break things down mm-hmm. to not because, like you say, when I looked at the big picture, it seemed hopeless. Mm-hmm. It seemed like there was no way that we were going to get through whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, but if I if I said, well, what do I have to do right now? I could usually answer that question. What do I have to do next? What do I have to do after that? Right. Okay. I can see that. I can do that. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure when I get through those, then I'll have, a, you know, an idea of what, what the next step is. Right. And that's, and, you know, the one day at a time, one step at a time. Uh, right. Do the next right thing. Right. All those slogans. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, this too shall pass. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That one's hard to remember when you're in the thick of things. <laughs> Because you're in the thick of it. Um, but it's true. It it will pass eventually, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. then also, like, the connection with, with others, knowing knowing that we're not alone in general, knowing that we're not alone in whatever problem it is that we're hap- experiencing right now. Um, I found another thing that's helpful about, like, Al-Anon meetings where people are just speak so freely about what's really going on in their yeah. lives is that it's, you know, sometimes it's not just like, oh, you're going through the same thing, but sometimes I hear people going through things that are much worse. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, you know, I had really ramped up this thing in my head to be like the end-all, be-all of problems. And it's like, mm, you know, actually, there are other people that are dealing with things that are even worse, even harder, and maybe I need to get out of my own head a little bit with my problems because it's all relative. Yeah, I remember one of my early meetings... Uh, somebody spoke about um, one at least. I, I guess I'll say the alcoholic in their life. I don't know if it was the only alcoholic in their life, but uh, who had been found dead. Okay, alone in his apartment, uh, and I just <laughs> that just kind of was like, whoa, uh, you know. At least that's not going to happen to me. Um, you know, she might die in my house, but at least, <laughs> you know, I'll be there. I'll have some hope that maybe I could do something or whatever. Um, and, and he went on to, to talk about how, of course, that didn't solve the problems mm-hmm. that, you know, they had new problems. Yeah. They still probably had some of the old problems. Uh, and, and it didn't fix any of the feelings. Um, yeah. And to me, that's also a huge part of, of the suffering is these feelings that we carry around, these feelings of um, abandonment, these feelings of, of frustration, these feelings of anger, these feelings of, uh, I don't even want to, I don't know, 
uh, of fear. Um, you know, I guess you, you're not going to fear they're going to die anymore if they're dead. But other than that, um, all these unresolved feelings and, and where do they go? Um, and, you know, as you said, talking, being able to talk about it, being able to, to see, to some extent, to see that I'm, it's not unique. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, actually a huge tool in, in sort of getting over the suffering that I had about, um, you know, my loved one's alcoholism was coming to understand more about alcoholism, really coming yeah. to understand that, you know, this was, this was a disease that this was, this was not something that she was doing to me. Mm-hmm. That helps to get rid of the oh poor me part, yeah, to some extent, uh, and that she was suffering too, yeah. Um, in a in a weird way, <laughs> helped to reduce mine um, because it 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 helped to pull away those those sort of secondary emotions. Um, you know, it it was it was harder for me to be angry at her uh, when I came to understand that. Uh, that at least the drinking behavior was a symptom, um, that, and that, you know, it's a, it's a disease of the, of the mind and the spirit. And, and it's going to affect the mind and the spirit, just like a disease of the body affects the body. And, you know, it helped me. Yeah. It helped me, um, turn the, turn the suffering back into pain that I could then acknowledge and, and sort of put it, put it to the side, not deny it, not, not block it off, but, you know, put it to the side. Uh, and kind of remember somebody talking about, I might've been talking about pain, you know, it's like, okay, here you are. I'm going to put you over here. I'm going to put you on the, on the shelf for now. And I will come back. Um, but I need to do some other things. I need to put you down. And this sort of image of sort of physically taking, taking the pain and, and putting it to the side, uh, struck me, hmm. um, that, uh, and, and not denying it. I mean, you do have to feel it, but you don't have to keep on feeling it all the time. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Other, any other tools that you have used, uh, maybe recently? Um, I think gratitude. I, I, you know, you sort of touched on this, but Mm -hmm. I think that definitely helps. Um, I try to, I try to have a daily practice of, you know, at least sitting and thinking of at least a few things that I'm grateful for. And that always does, you know, like you said with your example, like it does kind of, it helps me pull me out of my, own obsession over the problems and the worries because it forces me to acknowledge that like it's not all bad yeah there are some good things and here they are yeah quit pretending it's all bad because it's not you have evidence (laughs) right here you know um so so yeah i it it makes it it allows me or it it disallows me i don't know if that's really makes sense but it sort of disallows me that that pretense that that everything is terrible right. because yeah. it, there's evidence here yeah. that it isn't. Yeah. Um, what about prayer? Oh, uh, what that something about you prayer? Use? I, I do. Um, it's, it's sort of, it's kind of been an interesting process, I guess, with that one, because I kind of came into the program, not really believing in a God and I'm still kind of iffy, but mm-hmm. so, so I kind of feel like I, I sort of do, a lot of prayer for someone who doesn't really isn't really sure about that seems a little odd, but whatever. Here we are. Um, but but I do sort of have a, a practice of this that I I think I started under the suggestion of like just just try it and just you know act as if and you know see what happens. And I thought, well, all right, I'll I'll take that challenge. Like I'm 
I'd like to think of myself as an open-minded person, and so I can I can do this, even though I think it's not going to work. But I'll try it. Um, and I don't know. It's it's I, I, I at this point it it almost seems kind of irrelevant whether there is or isn't a higher power out there listening. Um, because I've found that it just the act of like sitting down and thinking about it and trying to think like do um like um I think in the eleven step eleven is something about um praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And so so sometimes I'll go through this thing and sort of pray for, you know, knowledge of my higher power's will for me and the power to carry that out. And then I have like this follow up like, okay, but I don't really know what that is. But if I had to guess, what would I guess? And it's like, well, if I had to guess, well, I, yes, I do have to guess, actually, because, you know, at least thus far, I haven't gotten any, like, thunderbolts from the sky that, yeah. you know. So so, so then I have this process of, like, going through and thinking, like, okay, if I were to guess what, you know, if there were, say, just pretend there was yeah. a caring power that, you know, wanted the best for me. What would that power want me to do today? And that kind of helps me kind of look at my life and my upcoming day in a different sort of light. Like, I might want to do this or that, but really I kind of know it's not what's best for me. And so thinking about, like, well, what – if there was someone who cared about what was best for me, what what would that, what would that being or being, whatever yeah. want me to do? Yeah. And so that that kind of gets me in the frame of mind of thinking about like yeah what really is in my best interest today, and that kind of can help shed some light on things. Yeah, that's um, I I've I've heard it said many times that uh, you know the purpose of prayer is not to change God, mm-hmm. the purpose of prayer is to change me. Mm-hmm. And which sort of answers a long-standing question I always had: <laughs> like if God's gonna you know isn't God gonna do whatever God wants anyhow? I yeah. Anyway, sorry, I digress. Yeah, it's it's uh, and, and exactly, exactly, and and the you know the eleven step prayer uh, or the the serenity prayer. Yeah, it's about changing me. Yeah. it's not about changing the world. Yeah, yeah. Another thing that I I used to kind of do a little bit more that I haven't haven't done as much lately, but I kind of want to get back to was I would sort of have this like I'd go through the serenity prayer in my head. And then I'd I'd sort of have this exercise of like filling in the blanks, like mm-hmm. um, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, like for example, the weather, or that I have this work deadline coming up, or that you know someone else is mad at me for whatever. These are things I cannot change, and mm-hmm. grant me the courage to change the things I can, such as you know, I could go into work and do some extra work, or I could, you know, have a better attitude about whatever, this or that, or, you know, and that, that kind of helps me. I could remember to take an umbrella. Yes. I could remember <laughs> to take an umbrella. I could, yeah, I could remember to dress appropriately for the weather. I could, um, yeah. So, so that kind of helps me get more clear, yeah. I think. I, mean, I guess that's the last part of the serenity prayer. And what is it? The courage, uh, the wisdom to know the difference. Yes, the wisdom to know the difference. Yes. So, like, I think that maybe helps me with that part, just kind of yeah. filling in blanks, because otherwise I don't necessarily remember what I can change. Because, <laughs> you know, I, I think my natural pre-Alanon default setting is to, like, go into self-pity. Oh, there's nothing I can do. It's terrible. Uh, yeah. So, 
Yeah, yeah it's a good way to get out of that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, that was certainly it's that's always um been my my go to prayer in the in the program. It's that it's the easiest one for me to get to. Yeah. Uh and how many times have I said it, geez, in meetings? Mm-hmm. It's it's burned in now. Um, yeah. <laughs> mostly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Every now and then. For kind of forget, uh, God grant me the serenity to change the things that, no, wait a minute, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, uh, but there, you know, there are some others that, uh, that I also go to. Um, one of them is just help. Yeah. Um, there's a, a book that I, I think I mentioned on the podcast like a year ago, maybe more, uh, by uh, Anne Lamott, who, one of my favorite writers uh, about sort of things spiritual, uh, but she writes with a very sort of earthy perspective. Um, and she wrote a book called Help, Thanks, Wow, The Three Essential Prayers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, help is a good one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow, you know, wow to me is, I, I've always known that one. I just never really thought of it as a prayer. Wow is, uh, I get up on a mountaintop and I look out and it's like, wow. Mm-hmm. Or it's sort of, here is something that is beautiful, is awesome, that I totally did not expect. Wow. Thank you for putting that in my life, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I like the way she just really distills it down. Three words. Yeah. I think I can remember three words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Another one that I've used a lot lately is um, trying, just praying for guidance. Because mm-hmm. um, there's been a lot of yeah. not knowing what to do, yeah. not knowing what, you know, what to do next. There are certain options in front of me. Are any of them a good idea? What's What should I do? I don't know what to do. So there's been a lot of praying for guidance. Mm-hmm. And then... Praying for guidance and praying that I will, like, recognize it when it shows up. Mm -hmm. Because I don't, again, like, no thunderbolts. So, you know, hoping that, like, maybe there will be something and I'll recognize it. Like, oh, maybe this dream that I had really, you know, maybe that came from somewhere. Or or maybe it didn't, but it helps me to know what I want. Or, Mm -hmm. yeah, so. Yeah, I have a friend in the program who talks about when she goes to a meeting she brings with her to the meeting or comes into the meeting with an attitude of sort of openness and acceptance that she's going to listen to what everybody says, because she's pretty sure that there's going to be something in there that is meant for her Mm -hmm. um, from her higher power. And, and one time she said, you know, probably God's talking to me all the time, but I'm not always listening. Mm -hmm. And, to me, and, 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 you know, when we talk about step 11, sometimes we say, uh, prayer is talking to God and meditation is listening to God. And that's good. Uh, I think what that emphasizes is the importance of listening. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to hear the message if I'm not paying attention, whatever, in whatever form that message might come. And you're right. It almost never comes in a thunderbolt. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it really ever has for me. Uh, but I've gotten lots of, subtle messages I've gotten, you know, I'll hear somebody talking about something they're struggling with and like this light bubble click on in my head, like, Oh, that's something that actually I need some help with. And maybe what this person did, um, you know, could help me with that. Um, and again, this is a way to 
Uh, here's some pain. I don't know what to do with this pain. I'm going to go. I'm going to pray for help and guidance, and then I'm going to listen. Um, maybe I'm going to go to a meeting or I'm going to call somebody, and maybe I'll hear something that then helps me move move that pain away, move through that pain, um, reduce that pain without just numbing it. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's one of the reasons I go to meetings. Yeah. Um, so I, I just thought of another uh, tool, another Al-Anon tool that, that helps that we, we didn't have on this list, but um, self-care. Oh, I yeah, think that's, that. I think that's another huge way that I turn my pain into suffering. Is I'll think, oh, I have a problem. I don't know what to do. Let me stay up on the internet, on the internet all night long, and look up, you know, because the answer's got to be there somewhere, and someone else must have written it down what I should do, and so I'll just stay up really, really late. Yeah. Um, and it's like, uh, you know, I need to sleep, and then you know, <laughs> so I don't sleep, and then the lack of sleep leads me really tired and cranky, and maybe I have a headache, and and so then all of that is like additional, totally unnecessary suffering that I cause myself. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, so lack of self care is a is a character defect, I guess, of mine, um, a tendency towards lack of self care, um. So, yeah. yeah, sleep or, like, not eating because I'll feel like, oh, well, whatever it is that I'm dealing with, like, this is really important. I don't have time to worry about dinner. Or I don't have time to, like, yeah, I feel this little gnawing in my stomach, but I can ignore that. I got to push on here because mm-hmm. whatever else is so important. And then it's like, uh, no, I get run down. I have no energy. Suddenly I can't really think straight. I can't handle small problems that show up. I have, you know, meltdown at the grocery store, whatever. <laughs> just, just as just a random things, example, yeah. it's not that that's ever happened, happened recently. Before. No. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, not taking care of myself is a big one for me. Um, yeah. For me, for, for me, uh, for meltdown, you can substitute random angry outburst. Mm-hmm. That's sort of my form of meltdown. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it happens when I'm not taking care of myself, probably because there's something going on that I don't want to face. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and so I will stuff feelings. And for me, stuffed feelings tend to come out as anger. Mm. And it's never a good thing. Yeah. It's no. never a good thing. It's it. I, I will say it comes out. It, it happens a lot less than it used to, and it happens a lot less violently, like emotionally violently. Uh, I never hurt really anybody except sometimes myself because I would like punch the table or the wall or something but never put a hole in a wall okay i mean you know there are limits here right yeah, yeah <laughs> okay right. i never punched a hole in a wall yeah um when my kids were little and i have twins um and we were members well my wife was and i was sort of an adjunct member of a, a group local called it was well it used to be called mothers of twins and then they changed it to mothers of multiples because people were having like you know, triplets and quadruplets and stuff, and they mm-hmm. didn't want to exclude them. And then eventually they changed it to parents of multiples because mm-hmm. they you know, realized, you know, dad's got issues too. But I remember one of the dads uh, of, you know, probably twins about my age, the age of my, my kids at the time, uh, talking about being so frustrated that they wouldn't go to sleep that he actually punched a hole in the wall. Oh. And, you know, I think he was gratefully, it was the wall and, you know, not, not something that, uh, might have hurt his kids or his wife or himself more, uh, but that is that is a consequence of untreated suffering, mm-hmm. of not having a way to safely 
let those feelings out. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's another case where, you know, you're not supposed to be, you're not supposed to hate your kids because they won't go to sleep. So you can't talk about it. Yeah. Right. Same, same kind of deal. Isolation and, and, oh my God. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so anything else? That, uh, um, no, I think that's, that's a, I think that about wraps it up for me. All right. And I just, I, I, I just want to say that I have sort of continuing gratitude to the things that I've learned in Al-Anon that, that enabled me to stop suffering from my pain and to get on with my life and to be able to, and I've said this before, to be able to stay in relationship with my loved one while she struggled, her struggle, and which did end, didn't end, it's ongoing, but she did find sobriety. And, and uh, as I, I, I have said in, in several meetings recently, uh, expressing my gratitude to the program that my wife and I celebrated our 30th wedding anniversary on Monday last week. I don't think we would have gotten there. And if we did get there, it wouldn't be very happily without, you know, without my program on my side. And I'm sure that her program didn't, uh, you know, hurt the situation any, but that's not what I'm here for. I'm here for myself. Mm -hmm. So being able to, to get out of the suffering enabled me to keep going without suffering. Yay. Yes. Okay. Um, do you want to read the, the, the reminder from the yes. reading we had earlier? Um, speaking of which, um, so today's reminder says, they say that pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. If I learn to accept that pain is part of life, I will be better able to endure the difficult times and then move on, leaving the pain behind me. When we, and then there's a quote uh, from Peter Marshall that says, when we long for life without difficulties, remind us that oaks grow strong in contrary winds and diamonds are made under pressure. Ah, uh, well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, and I think, you know, back in the day I would have said, oh, roll eyes, you know, mm -hmm. diamonds are made under pressure, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah. Okay. I'll take it. I'll take it. Uh, we're going to take a short break and then we'll continue with our lives in recovery where we talk about the meetings we attend, what's happening in our lives, how we're using recovery on a daily basis. And uh, Maria uh, picked our first musical selection. And as I've said uh, the last few episodes, we're, we're not putting the music in the episode anymore, but it is on the website. We have a little playlist there. And we'll talk about a few of the songs on the playlist, and there might be more. Uh, and uh, what's the first one? All right. So our first musical selection, uh, which you can listen to on the website at therecoveryshow.com slash 82, uh, this being episode 82. Um, so our song is uh, The Smiths singing Never Had No One Ever. Um, and so when I was thinking about uh, suffering in terms of like taking pain and like heaping it on ourselves unnecessarily and making it worse and just sort of getting in this mopey, um, excessive uh, suffering sort of mentality, I thought, let's see, are there songs for this? And then I thought, oh, The Smiths, of course. So it, it, for those of you who are not familiar, they're... Uh, uh, their their songs are really kind of um <laughs> they they just really encapsulate this for me like uh they're they're often sort of bleak oh yeah uh, yeah bleak i think is an understatement <laughs> so yeah i picked this song depressive but de bleak depressive um 
Yeah. Wonderful wallowing in it songs. Yes. yes, exactly. They're like, if you feel like wallowing in it and say maybe you're like a depressed teen or something, <laughs> the, the Smiths are for you. Um, or they were for me anyway. So yeah, so I had to go with this one, although it was a tough choice between Never Had No One Ever and their other song that is called, <laughs> and I quote, um, Last Night I Dreamed That Somebody Loved Me. <laughs> So that's the kind of songs we've got. The implication being that, of course, it wasn't true. Oh, yeah. I think there are some words in there that say, yeah, false alarm. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Anyway, it's it's very bleak and very woe is me, self-pitying kind of stuff. So um, anyway, I'm just going to read some lyrics. There's not a lot of lyrics in the song. Um, So some lyrics are, I had a really bad dream. It lasted 20 years seven months and 27 days and i know and i know that i never never had no one ever now i'm outside your house i'm alone and i'm outside your house i hate to intrude i know i'm alone i'm alone i'm alone i'm alone i'm alone i'm alone and i never never had no one ever (laughs) so now you understand why i had to go with the song um because it's it's like highly self-pitying and i just um <laughs> so yeah i mean part of me just just wants to tell morrissey who's uh the lead singer of the smiths um you know like really there are there are some better choices you could have made here like okay granted there's pain okay we're you're lonely all right that's that's understandable that's a feeling we can accept feelings but you know to spend the whole uh you know his sort of like outside the love interest house not wanting to go in and repeating that he's alone like six times in a row (laughs) it's just and then uh you know you you really have to go listen to the song because the tone of the music is very like slow and mopey and i think there's actually i think there's actually literally a little bit of like moaning and crying at the end (laughs) so so it really kind of summed this up for me where we came from yeah (laughs) that was then In this section of the podcast, we talk about our lives in recovery, about what's happening in our meetings and our lives this week. And I think I'll go first. I was thinking back over the week, over my meetings, and uh, Sunday a week ago, uh, we went with the uh, the daily reading, which I, I just looked at it again, and it just it dovetails so nicely with our topic today because it says, In the past, joy was a rare visitor to many of us. Al-Anon recovery often leads us to find it more frequently, but instead of sitting back and enjoying these pleasant moments, we tend to cling desperately to happiness, trying to freeze time and hold change at bay as if our joy will be snatched away forever the moment our guard is down. And I thought, wow, that's like sort of the opposite of, it's 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 the same thing, except with joy instead of pain, mm. where you take it and you hang on to it and and it prevents you from, you know, it basically kind of prevents you from living what life is at the moment, uh, because you're, you're, you're living in the past or you're living in the future or you're afraid of the future and you want to hang out to the past or you want to, you know, whatever it is. I mean, it's, it's not, uh, not being where you are. <laughs> yeah. And, and the reading went on to talk about, uh, you know, how change happens and that just because, you know, we're happy one moment and, and then, 
whatever the situation is maybe changes, uh, that it will come back and sort of gives a different perspective on things like this too shall pass. It's like, you know, the good things go, so do the bad things. Uh, and, and, but they'll come back because everything passes in turn. And, and so it was, it was, a, it was some really good discussion around the table. It was a good meeting. And, uh, Wednesday night meeting. So it's kind of funny because I, I ran into the person who was doing the lead at the Wednesday night meeting. Uh, and they asked me, uh, they said, I was thinking about doing a particular topic and, but they weren't sure that that was like something we were actually sort of allowed to talk about or something. And, uh, and I said, Hey, you know, it's your experience. You talk about your experience. You're the expert on your own, own experience. And, uh, I think I actually pointed them at a podcast uh, episode that kind of uh, touched on the same topic. Did they go look at it? I don't know. No idea. Uh, and, and so then when, when the meeting came, my, I sort of had an expectation about what they were going to talk about. And they talked about something that was related, which was step 11 um, about prayer and meditation. And, uh, um, I don't remember exactly all the sharings around the room. I do know that, that something somebody said when it came around to me, it was like, oh yeah, serenity prayer, totally go-to prayer here. Um, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, etc. because uh, that is the one that, like I said, it's the one that works the most for me. Um, but there was also, and I don't remember exactly how this came out. There was, I think there was some sharing about how opening up to other people had caused uh, one person talked about how opening up had had reconnected uh, her with uh, a person that had not been present in her life for for quite a while and and they reconnected it and uh, and how that was uh, um, you know she was really grateful that that had happened and and that reminded me of um, how in fact this this podcast has uh, helped me to connect in a very different way with with uh, one of my siblings, and it's that uh, you know when we when we are vulnerable sometimes we get really um, much more back than we ever expected uh, when we're vulnerable with somebody else. So that was sort of um, what was going on in my meetings and in my head, I guess. Um, how I'm seeing recovery. Um, and, uh, so, you know, in the family this week, my, uh, son, uh, left Thursday morning to, uh, to go back to grad school. He's, he's been home for the summer, uh, living maybe a little bit more cheaply than he could, um, where he's at school. Uh, and it's, it's been great having both of my kids home this year because I really had an expectation that they probably would not be home this summer. They, uh, they both have finished college and he was at grad school. And I know when I went to grad school, I didn't come home for the summer. So I was like, well, he's probably not going to come home for the summer, you know? And then he did. And that was nice. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, my daughter drove him, uh, 750 miles each way, which has its own set of anxieties and potential worry and obsession associated with that, uh, particularly the 750 miles home by herself in the car with uh, nobody to, you know, whatever, keep her awake or something. But I'm letting go of that because I, I know I have no control and I know she's, you know, she's a responsible driver and I think she will, she will take care of herself and, and things will be fine. But, 
you know, when the phone rings from her, I do have that moment of, oh my God, she got in an accident. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (sighs) Progress. Okay. Progress. Uh, And uh, yeah, so she's, she's uh, graduated. She's got a job, Hmm. real like 40 hours a week, decent pay kind of job, not a Mm job, and is hoping to move out of our house and into uh, an apartment with a friend who is also at home living with their parents and anxious to get out um, for maybe different reasons, but that's not, um, I can't take that inventory. Stop. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And uh, you know, that's mixed too, because I do enjoy, I do enjoy having her around, but we have gotten used to living alone and, and having, having the, uh, the young people in the house is a joy and it's a little bit of a strain uh, because it's different. It's different than what we've gotten used to. Um, Mm -hmm. There's more mess in the sink and more mess in the rooms. And, and I'm not being negative here. It's just what it is. Right. Uh, Okay. Stop. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, I'm happy to see that, that my kids are, seem to really be um, progressing, you know, finding adulthood. They both say they don't feel like adults yet. I mean, they're only 23, right? So, uh, one of them, I remember asked me once, well, when did you start feeling like an adult? I said, oh, probably when I had kids of my own. It's when it really became obvious. Mm. (laughs) I was 35 at the time. Okay. (laughs) Um, and there are ways in which I still don't feel like I'm an adult. I still don't feel like I am navigating today's world successfully. Although, those are much fewer and further between, and I really think Elanon had something to do with that as well. So, yeah, my week, a lot more than I thought I was going to say. How much <laughs> your week, Maria? Um, I had a good week. Um, so Monday I went to my AWOL group, and we talked about um, some stuff about Step 12, a little bit about Step 9. Um, also, you know, you're talking about feeling like an adult, which uh, was sort of interesting because we, we talked a bit about um, – this concept of maturity mm-hmm. and um, and yeah, like kind of feeling like an adult or acting like an adult and how, you know, a number of us in the group kind of feel like Elanon has sort of taught us a little bit how to be more mature mm-hmm. and how to be more adult and really, you know, acknowledge what our responsibilities are and like take those responsibilities on and do what we need to do. Um, or at least make progress in that direction, if not, if we're not totally there yet. Um, and we, we also had a really good conversation about, um, just, just feeling like it, it seemed like a number of us kind of had the same sense of feeling a little bit overwhelmed with things, like that there's just so many different things that all need to get done at the same mm. time. And, you know, how do you even approach all of that? And, um, you know, for myself, it's like I tend to get overwhelmed with things and either, you know, work really, really hard at them all, but then I still can't finish. And then I just, you know, give up and decide to stay up late screwing around doing, you know, whatever else that's not really accomplishing any of the things that need accomplishing or, you know, other kind of self-defeating behaviors. Mm. And, you know, so we were talking about how to get past that, how to, you know, not get overwhelmed. And somebody... Somebody shared something that she'd heard at a meeting, um, or I guess somebody brought up this concept of chunk and trust, which means to, um, 
it, 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 it seemed like a kind of a combination of like one day at a time and let go and let God. So mm-hmm. like you just pick a chunk and you do one chunk of whatever it is that you're overwhelmed with. Mm-hmm. You know, like um, I have a giant project at work. Well, go into work and work for three hours on it. You know, do a chunk. And mm. then, and then trust that it will all work out in the long run and you've done your chunk and mm-hmm. now you have to like sit back and trust that like it will, you know, whatever will happen in the end and it will work out, you know, whether it's the outcome you want or the outcome you don't want, you know, it'll all be fine in the end. Mm-hmm. It'll be whatever it's supposed to be. So chunk and trust. And mm-hmm. somehow that struck me as like a useful concept because I tend to get overwhelmed a lot. Um so yeah, so that was Monday. Um, Wednesday, I was at the same meeting you were at, Spencer. Um, and there was a lot of interesting discussion on, um, prayer and meditation. And, um, and, and I noticed my own reaction to it was sort of different. Like, I remember earlier on in the program, I kind of had more, more iffiness about the whole God, higher power concept. And so every time there would be a, a meeting where we talked about prayer or something along those lines, I'd feel a little like, eh, slightly uncomfortable. When is this, are we done yet? Um, <laughs> you know, like I did kind of didn't really want to be there. I couldn't really relate to what other people talked about when they talked about their relationships with their higher power. Like, mm-hmm. eh, what does that even mean? I, you know, I didn't really get it. So this time it was sort of interesting for me to listen to what people had to say because, you know, as I was talking about earlier, like, even as a, you know, I don't know what I believe really, but I seem to do a lot of prayer anyhow. <laughs> so so it was sort of interesting, like, oh, well, what do other people do and what are their approaches and, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was kind of more open to it, I guess, this time and found it more interesting. Um one one thing that it got me thinking about, um, well, a couple of things that I thought about but didn't actually share in the meeting because, I don't know, it's a very large meeting and it can sometimes feel a little a little overwhelming to share in that meeting. I mean, mm-hmm. I do sometimes, but not always. And, and also there's so many good shares that sometimes I feel like I could share, but if I don't, then I could, you know, hear even more <laughs> pearls of wisdom. So, like, you know, anyway... Um, but anyway, I had a couple of thoughts about it. Um, so for one, I had, as far as meditation, I, somebody had suggested to me that I take eating to be a meditation. Hmm. Like, and so I've been sort of experimenting with this. Like, when I'm eating, I'm sort of trying to make an effort to not be also on my, you know, checking something on my phone or reading a magazine or watching TV or, you know, on the phone with a friend. Like, um, I guess that's, eating. yeah, mind, like just eating. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the thing about the friend is sort of different because that's kind of my exception clause is like, okay, interaction with real people over food is, is different and that seems preferable to like eating alone. But sometimes I eat alone, but then I don't really want to be alone. So like I fill up the mental yes. space with like, you know, a book or yes. whatever else. And I'm like just kind of shoveling food in and I'm not really thinking about what I'm eating or if I'm even hungry or, you know, so, so it's been kind of an interesting experience, like, trying to just eat. Like, in the beginning, it felt really, like, sort of lonely and empty to just be eating and not have any other, like, it's just me and my head and, like, food, like, but that's boring and I'd rather be distracted somehow. Um, but then I kind of kept going with it a little bit anyway, and 
and now it's sort of it seems to be becoming more pleasurable like it's it kind of seems like a little it's starting to seem like a little oasis in the middle of my day like i'm gonna have to eat you know at least i don't know somehow i haven't been including snacks in this concept but like sitting down to a meal like i'm gonna be eating multiple times throughout the day and so like if i kind of give myself a break from doing other things or thinking about other things well the thinking is hard to stop you know yeah. the ruminating still kind of goes on but mm -hmm. um but in a way it's sort of like a little oasis in my day where i can just eat and not have to do mm. other things mm. and that's kind of nice mm. um and i've also been trying to eat outside as much as possible and that's really nice too like especially during the work day i found that somehow like uh even a much shorter break that's outside like feels better like a, a 20 minute lunch outside feels much more refreshing to me than like an hour lunch inside the building so that's that's been interesting mm -hmm. so anyway that's sort of one of my latest uh approaches to meditation um and then also it so that meeting also kind of got me thinking about um someone had mentioned at an earlier meeting something about making up your own prayers and i thought huh okay that seems interesting because you know sometimes it feels like this whole prayer thing is kind of predetermined already laid out by other people and here's a prayer and you should say this prayer mm -hmm. and you mm -hmm. should say this prayer every day or mm -hmm. you know whatever it is and sometimes that doesn't feel like i've kind of experimented with that some but then sometimes it just feels really inauthentic like i don't really not really feeling this prayer that someone else wrote that nah. so yeah it kind of got me thinking about trying to keep that concept of prayer feeling authentic which is odd when you don't really believe that there's necessarily anyone or anything listening um but but yeah like if it's gonna be just a rote going through the motions then i'm not sure if that's really helping me or anything it kind of feels like just a waste of time so anyway mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. that was wednesday and then also, yeah, so I guess that was, like, my meetings that I went to this week. Um, personally, like, there's been, uh, there's been a lot of, like, people stuff happening in my life lately. Like, just, um, I guess I've been thinking a lot about people-pleasing this week mm. because there's been assorted things. Um, so earlier on in the week, I was, um getting stuff ready to send to a sibling for a birthday. So like, like, yeah, like, okay. And then, and then I called my, my sibling on the birthday and it was like, like that, I feel like that kind of stuff is like people pleasing. That's good. Like, you know, we, we want to make our loved ones happy and we want to, you know, add joy to their lives and birthdays seem like an appropriate time to like, Hey, here's a little something fun, whatever. Mm -hmm. So that seems like, you know, people pleasing. That's, that's good and healthy. Um, and then, you know, my week continued and I had another family member who was in town and stayed overnight. And so there was some getting ready for that, cleaning up the house and cleaning up the room. So there would be a good space for that and visiting. And, you know, so that was, I think that also felt like good, good, healthy, you know, socializing, but doing also people pleasing, you know, kind of doing things to have them work out for, for someone else in my life. Um, 
But then, then uh, the week kind of got a little bit more... The people pleasing got a little more complicated later on in the week. So oh. I've got... Uh, yeah, somehow I've, I've got multiple friends who are very heavily invested in... Um, in both sides of the whole uh, Israeli-Palestinian conflict Which has thing. gotten very complicated. Oh, week. yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, and so I've had, yeah, it's been very complicated. And um, so, yeah, but then, like, having these friends, you know, just like, oh, my gosh, you've got to, you know, listen to, like, all of this and read this and that article about it and what's, you know, these things that are going on or, you know terrible or you know and then on the flip side like you know or like the people that are criticizing this are terrible you know because you know and, and it's just like oh my god like talk about the three c's like i was thinking of the three c's as far as this mm -hmm. like uh middle east conflict like seriously people i did not cause it i cannot control it i cannot cure it like what it's you know not my fault whatever's happening over there mm -hmm. but but i kind of felt like in an awkward position as far as having friends who really wanted to discuss it with me, really, you know, obviously wanted me to, you know, share their views on everything. Um, and these are multiple close friends with completely opposing views. And then, you know, of course, I've got, I've got some of my own opinions on it. And um, so, yeah, there was this whole question of, um, you know, at one point, one of these friends had contacted... Uh, me and another friend about all of this stuff, and um, and I just kind of felt like, okay, how am I going to handle this? Like, I kind of have um, differing opinions than this person who's like very, very revved up about it. Mm -hmm. um, it's a close friend, and so, but also one that I haven't talked to in a little while, so it kind of feels like things are maybe iffy on that front, and. Um, so I was kind of in this dilemma of like, well, do I, I mean, it seemed like one of the obvious options was to just say, well, I don't want to get into it. You know, some variety of that. Like, I'm just staying out of it, yeah. you know, the end. Um, but then I also was kind of debating, well, okay, there's that. But then it also, like, I think I have this history of people pleasing. Um, and so I, there was part of me that kind of felt like I'm not, I almost felt... Like I wasn't allowed to disagree, yeah. Even if, I, even though I did actually have different opinions, and you know, the, so I was going through this whole fear of like, well, what if I say something that this person disagree was disagrees with, and then they're gonna not want to be my friend anymore, and like this is all gonna blow up and end horribly. But then it's like, well, but at the same time, you know, do I really want to take that approach to my friendships that like? You know, it's possible that, that if I disagree, we might not be friends anymore. But it's also possible that if I disagree, I will learn that actually there's plenty of space in this relationship for me to disagree and still be friends. And, you know, but I'm so afraid and so concerned with people pleasing that I'm afraid to even test it out. And I'm, and I'm like silencing myself and my own beliefs here for fear of what would happen. So anyway, there, yeah, there's just been a lot of drama as far as like, what am I going to say to this? How am I going to act? And I did end up kind of responding and deciding to kind of share some of my thoughts on the subject, even though they weren't totally in line with this other person. And so, 
that it sort of felt good because it was, um, you know, a difficult thing, kind of difficult to say what I really thought instead of what I knew they wanted to hear. Um, so anyway, that kind of, uh, seems like a, an Al-Anon kind of issue. Oh, yeah. Oh. Um, yeah, like I can only, you'll only be my friend if I do exactly what you want and say exactly what you want to hear. Is that really friendship or am I just being a puppet to, you know, I don't know. So, yeah. So anyway, now it's, it has since evolved and now I'm like, okay, I kind of said what I had to say and how do I get out of this conversation again? <laughs> like, oh boy. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway. So how about them tigers? Huh? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Time to change the conversation. Let's change talk about topic. Like baseball or something. Right, yeah. right. Anything else. <laughs> Or, or football. Yes. Oh, wait, that's over. <laughs> well, it's not over, but. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, yeah. so that's, that's kind of been my week. Just a lot of, that's, a lot of stuff. And that, you know, that's a, that's a tough situation to, um, when, I mean, I have friends who are very opinionated, probably on both sides of mm-hmm. the, the same issue. And mm-hmm. I got to say, um, my technique has been avoidance. Yeah. <laughs> For the most part. <laughs> yeah. Well, and as uh, soon as I got the response back, I'm like, ooh, maybe I should have gone with avoidance. <laughs> you uh, know, but. Uh, um, uh, and uh, my my daughter was getting know. really, really worked up mm-hmm. um, about what was happening earlier this week or last week. And um, to the point where, I mean, she was like, I don't know, she's just really worked up, ready to cry or whatever. And And I said to her, and unfortunately I said it, not very kindly, I said, well, maybe you should just stop reading it. Mm-hmm. Maybe you should just stop watching it if it's, if it's, you know. And she's like, that's not helpful! <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> I just yeah. meant that, you know, you can't do anything about it, and it's just getting you all worked up, and you need to get some sleep because you need to go to work in the morning, and maybe the healthiest thing for you to do is just, you know, stop for a little while. Yeah. Um, and she's, she's like, yeah, did you see, I took my tablet and I brought it over here and I plugged it in. Like, I'm not looking anymore, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but yeah. 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 At one point in my like rumination of like, how am I going to handle this? Should I write back? What should I say? Should I just, you know, avoid the subject or, you know, and I was getting all worked up in my, about like, what should my response be to this? And, and at some point in there, my Alan, I did kind of kick in and go, okay, just stop do something to take care of yourself. Like, what are you doing? This is too much time. Um, eat something. Okay. Just, just find some food and eat it like that. (laughs) Like I I need to just stop and like do some self care or something. Cause it, yeah. Making me crazy. It's it's good. Let's see. Where are we? Oh my God. Our topic next week. Uh, We actually have a topic for next week. None of this like upcoming topics thing. Maybe we'll have something. Maybe we won't know. Next week is tradition eight. Which says, uh, Al-Anon 12th step work should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Why is this important? How does it help us in recovery? We welcome your thoughts. You can join this conversation. Please leave a voicemail or send us an email with your experience or questions about Tradition 8. And some other upcoming topics include, is it caretaking or is it healthy support? And the four M's, martyrdom, manipulation, mothering, and managing. Mm. Uh, So, uh... Maria, how can people send us feedback? Uh, well, you can call and leave us a voicemail at 734-707-8795. Uh, 
Call right now to 734-707-8795. You can also use the voicemail button on the website to join the conversation from your computer. If you prefer not to use your voice, you can send email to the to feedback at therecoveryshow.com. We'd love to hear from you, share your experience, strength, and hope, or your questions about today's topic of suffering is optional, or any of our upcoming topics. If you have a topic you'd like us to talk about, let us know. Spencer, where can our listeners find out more about The Recovery Show? Hey, you can go to our website, therecoveryshow.com, which has all the information about the show, including notes for each episode, uh, sometime periodic meditations, and uh, links to the music that uh, we don't play anymore, we just talk about it. Uh, so you <laughs> have to go to the website to listen to it. And again, the music for this episode will be at therecoveryshow.com slash 82. We've also got some links to other recovery podcasts and websites that we like. And there are many ways to contribute. Uh, uh, check out our topic list, and uh, if you see a topic you'd like talked about, uh, leave us a comment or send us an email to vote it up. Or if you uh, are interested in a particular topic and it's not listed there, let us know too. We'll add it. Um, always looking for music suggestions. Uh, and I have to say, we have a page with some music suggestions that is not up to date, but um, I do appreciate all the suggestions I get, honestly. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you'd really like to join the conversation, literally, you could uh, consider being a guest host by phone or Skype or other electronic communication. Email feedback at com if you're interested. And let's see. So we're going to take a short break before we dive into the mailbag, see what's in there. Our second musical selection, which uh, also available on the website, as I said, is It Serves Me Right to Suffer by John mm -hmm. Lee Hooker. And I don't think I really need to say anything more than the title <laughs> of that song, okay? Uh, you know, this is an attitude that I I know probably I had, um, you know, and uh, I think many of us do. I mean, that's the martyrdom. We're going to talk about that in a few weeks. Mm -hmm. Yep. we got in the mailbag uh we got an email from akila she had a couple of suggestions so spencer hi not sure if you've considered this as a way to keep music on the podcast so i thought i'd shoot you an email i listened to aisha tyler's or maybe it's aisha tyler not sure girl on guy podcast and she puts links for where to buy the music played during the show in her show notes uh, and then says she stopped music because she entered into partnership with iHeartRadio. And that was actually, that was one of the things I was looking at, iHeartRadio, and that was one of the things that got me thinking about the music, because they won't take you if you've got music, uh, because they're just too worried about the copyright thing. Anyway, Akila continues, instead of just posting links to YouTube, posting the Amazon iTunes MP3 will show you're not pirating, but supporting the artist. Also, it will help with the Amazon referral affiliation. Yes, something to consider. And uh, then she has a suggestion about voicemail. For people who are nervous about leaving a message on the voicemail, the first few times I did it, I wrote the email first, then I called and read it. That helped me get over the, quote, need to get my words in check, organize my thoughts, end quote, hump. That's a big hump. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to encourage anyone who wants to call in, but doesn't for that re reason to consider it. I mostly leave messages on the fly now, but I still write. I'd still write, then read an email when I have a whole lot to say. Akila. And uh, so as as 
You may have noticed if you've gone to the website to play the music, uh, I have been at least the last couple of episodes, I think, putting in both a iTunes download link and an Amazon download link for each of the songs, um, at least where they have them. Um, I've, I've, I know I posted one song that it was really hard to find any an, an online version of it um, that you didn't have to pay for. But, you know, that's, that's the way it goes sometimes. Uh, so yeah, if you, uh, if you go through the Amazon link and, uh, or the iTunes link and, and you buy the music, uh, we get a little bit of a commission and you help support the artist, which is also a good thing. You want to read, uh, Brooke's email? Maria? Sure. Uh, Brooke sent a donation and this email. Dear Spencer, I am happy I could help. I just started the program after two previous attempts when I wasn't ready and discovered your show while on a business trip. Um, I now listen to it every morning on the way to work. It helps calm me before my stressful day. Thank you for your service. And, uh, and thanks, Brooke. Thanks both for the donation and the, uh, uh, the good words. It's, it's always good to know that uh, what we're doing is, is helping people. Got a really short note from Jeff. Uh, subject line was, oh, snap. And he writes, 17 colon 12 into podcast 81. That was awesome. So I had to go back and listen to podcast 81, 17 minutes and 12 seconds in. And, and what I found there was uh, uh, I was talking about going to my first Al-Anon meeting when I, I called a friend from my car and I said, yes, I made a phone call from my car on the highway. It wasn't illegal and I was desperate <laughs> or something, uh, something like that. I think that's what he was referring to. Uh, I think a little bit later I said something about I decided the least I could do was go to an Al-Anon meeting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, look what happened. Oh, my God. Uh, okay, and we got a nice note from uh, Natalie uh, with a question and a topic suggestion. You want to read that? Sure. Uh, Natalie writes, Hi, Spencer. Thanks for all your service work in keeping the recovery show on the air. I have found it so very helpful as a, quote, between meetings, end quote, meeting. I was wondering if the homepage has a link indicating what the next week's topic will be. I haven't been able to find it easily and know that it is sometimes mentioned within the prior week's podcast. I would ha be happy to Skype in as it, as the, as guest if the topping is, topic is something in which I could share experience, strength, hope. One topic idea from the comprehensive list you've created is keeping the focus on ourselves. I am relatively new to recovery and in scanning courage, the courage to change index, I noted that this topic has more readings than almost any other. <laughs> Interesting there. That's, um, anyway, she continues. I also notice around the tables that the attendees, which seem the most serene and healthy, keep the focus squarely upon themselves. Thanks again and best wishes for continued good health, Natalie. Yeah, thanks, Natalie. I wrote back to Natalie and I said, well, usually, um, I do try to put the, the next topic, uh, into the show notes for the current show. Uh, it's, it's right, um, Right as we say above the fold, right before the uh, the click here for more, or if you're looking at the the show notes uh, in full, it's right before the music section. Um, sometimes I don't know what I'm going to talk about the next week, so then I'll say, "Well, upcoming topic might be this, that, the other thing," and you got to guess. I got to guess. I usually I end up deciding, you know, maybe a couple days before, like, "Oh, I got to pick a topic. Better get something." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, eh, someday I'll plan. Uh, do know what next week's topic is. Like I said, Tradition 8. Um, please uh, uh, consider leaving us a review on iTunes because the iTunes reviews and ratings uh, help to make us easier to find by those who are in need of recovery. 
And if you're concerned about anonymity, you can give us a rating without writing a review and it won't show your identity. I want to thank everybody who has put up reviews already. And let's see. It, uh, it doesn't cost you anything to listen to The Recovery Show. We do have expenses. They run about $60 a month, and you can help to support us and keep us on the web in your ear in a few ways. We have a donation button on the website where you can support us directly, just like Brooke and Michi did. Thank you again for your generous contributions. We have put together a list of recovery-related books. Click on the books link at the top of the page. If you order one of these books from Amazon through our website, we receive a small commission. In fact, anything you order from Amazon after you click on one of these links will help us. We're also putting links to download our song selections from iTunes or Amazon, which will also give us a small commission if you buy the song or the album. It costs you nothing extra, and it helps to keep us on the air. Thank you for your support in whatever form you give it, including just listening to us. Uh, mention us to your friends. Uh, send them to therecoveryshow.com. We are here for you. So our last song selection is No Hurry by the Zac Brown Band. Uh, again, you can listen to that at therecoveryshow.com slash 82. The song's message is that life is too short not to make time for the people and experiences that matter. The song's co-writer, James Otto, explained how the arrival in this world of his daughter, Ava Catherine, has enabled him to live out the song. When she came along, I realized it was time to slow down and focus on what really mattered to me in, in this life, he said. And that was being there for those unrepeatable moments of her first steps, words, and discoveries. And I'm still in no hurry to let those little moments go. In this program, I have learned to, and this is my voice, sorry, not his voice anymore. In, in this program, I have learned to be grateful for what I have to live today for today and to let go of the things I cannot change right now. Thank you for listening, and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. If we did not talk about a problem we are facing today, feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace grow in you one day at a time.